1: From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, Kings of Leon plan to sell their new album as an NFT. Speaking of NFT, somebody burned a Banksy and put it into an NFT? And in our main story, we talk all things Coinbase direct listing. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, March 4th, 2021. If you guys notice, I try to put out as many introductory episodes as possible. One of those episodes is about taxes. On January 8th, I put out a pretty all-inclusive episode about crypto taxes, what they are, how they're collected, how they're paid, what constitutes as a taxable event. Please check out that on January 8th. Moving forward, I'm going to try my best to do introductory episodes on certain topics throughout the week. So pay attention for that. And also, you can always email me MatthewAaron at decrypt.co and give me your suggestions. What do you want to know about? But one thing I want to know about right now are those crypto prices.
0: Here comes the money. Here we go, money talk.
1: I'm recording this at 10.45 Eastern Standard Time. Top five coins, Bitcoin is at number one at $49,530.33, down about 2.5% from 24 hours ago. In the number two spot, Ethereum, $1,573, down about 1.2% from yesterday. Cardano had a big down sitting in the number three spot, at $1.15, down about 6% in 24 hours. Binance Coin, or BNB, 238.60, down about 2%. And in our number 6 spot, Polkadot is sitting at around $36 even, but it's still down 3.7%. Total market cap, we're at $1.51 trillion, with a BTC dominance of 60.7%. If you guys have been noticing, there's been a lot of Coinbase news recently about profits, about direct listing about their market cap growing you heard me on the show a couple of times talk about Chamath Polyapatia's tweet about Coinbase and how they might dump on retail investors But with all this news about Coinbase and all the speculation about Coinbase all this worry and also all this hope I need to have a conversation about what is really going on and who better to talk about this than Jeff Roberts the new executive editor of Decrypt who actually wrote the book on it Kings of Crypto link is in the description here's our conversation about Coinbase direct listing, and what it all really means.
0: Uh, real good. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, and also welcome to The Crypt. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun so far. Some really good writers, uh, great tech, and uh, really has its pulse on the cool stuff in crypto. So good to be here.
1: Look, on the show for the past couple of weeks, I've been covering this Coinbase thing. There's a lot happening in Coinbase. You have written a lot about Coinbase. Also, you written a book called Kings of Crypto. And you know what? I couldn't think of anybody better to ask about Coinbase than you. First things first Coinbase valuation. Chamath Paliopitila says that they might shit on retail investors. The valuation of Coinbase before they go direct listing has been 50 billion, 75 billion, 100 billion. I'm hearing 104 billion valuation. Can you tell me one, where is this valuation coming in? And two, should we
0: be scared? Uh, Well, first things first, on whether retail investors are going to get shit on, in your words, it's just the fate of retail investors to get shit on. It doesn't matter if it's a Quinby's (laughs) IPO. It's our other IPOs. Look at a traditional IPO. The way that works is you have underwriters. They get their Wall Street friends to buy in early at a set price, and the thing pops, and those guys all cash out, and retail investors pay twice as much. That's how the world works. Uh, Direct listing, there's more chance of avoiding that because they're just going to float the shares directly. There's no middlemen. There's no, you know, uh, merchant banks taking 8% of the cut. There's, you know, no one lined up ahead of time, except of course in the private market. And if your question is, is it worth a hundred billion dollars? Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think stocks overall are higher than they should be. I think there's just a lot of froth in the market. Um, you know, that's, that seems high, but also i um, will turn back over to you in a second, Matthew. This is a company that's profitable. Look at all the other, you know, buzz, the IPOs like, you know, Airbnb and Uber and DoorDash, these companies are all bleeding money. Um, so, you know, I think Coinbase is a rare unicorn that's making a ton of money, which is going to put them in a better position for shareholders in the long term.
1: Well, that's really shame that, you know, the retail investor gets shit on. Uh, but you said that they're profitable. I want to actually just dig into that a little bit. I remember that they said that they're in profit for 2020 at $322 million, which is absolutely great congratulations to them you also wrote a piece that compared them to facebook can you do me a, fa- a favor tell me what does that comparison mean and how does this profitability come into play with their direct listing
0: yeah the comparison i just raised it cuz bloomberg and some others pointed out that if they go public you know their valuation is 100 billion dollars that's going to be the biggest ipo or direct listing since facebook you know for a company to hit the market it's going to be the biggest one since facebook but there's other similarities too Coinbase has got something of a monopoly. You know, they're, you know, kind of the go-to game in town for crypto. They've got sort of a moat uh, and that's like Facebook had. There's social networks that go with crypto. You know, you're sort of, the, you know, first player takes it all. And I think there's a lot of patterns like that with Coinbase compared to Facebook. And likewise, the team behind them, the venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz is basically the hidden hand behind Coinbase, just as it was for Facebook. You know, I mean, obviously, they're very different companies, very different businesses, but those similarities, I think, are interesting. And of course, you know, Facebook, whatever you think of them as a company has been killing it financially for years. And Coinbase, if they play their cards, right, could be in the same position.
1: Where do you think Coinbase is gonna be able to kill it? I mean, I guess everybody's looking at this and go, okay, so people can use this to buy crypto. Why is that going to be a $100 billion? And why would it be a trillion dollar company in the future? How do you think they're going to position themselves in the future? Or what products do you think they're going to create in the future to get that valuation that we all hope if we're, going to invest in that direct listing, it's going to be
0: that's a great question. You put your finger on the one red flag in Coinbase's performance right now. They're a one trick pony. They make money when people trade on their exchanges. But as we know with like Robinhood, it's become, you know, people don't want to pay trading fees. It's becoming a commodity. So Coinbase has got to figure out a way to build up, you know, all that cash war chest, develop other products. And they're claiming they're going to be sort of offering like staking services and, you know, uh, interest, things like that. And also their partnerships with banks and so on. I think they're going to probably be doing pretty 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 well on that front. But right now the crazy figures, 96% of revenue comes from trading. And I don't think that's sustainable for long-term, but they do have some time to figure it out. And they're going to make piles of money in the meantime.
1: (laughs) we hope all the investors make piles of money too, because I think a lot of people are nervous, as we just said, that the retail investor might get shit on. My theory is that after watching Robinhood, and I saw what happened with Robinhood, the retail investors got shut off. Why did the retail investors get shut off? Is because Robinhood did not have enough money to back all their trades. So what they do is they're basically a clearinghouse. People buy into this, people sell into this, and then they have to settle all these trades off and they need money to cover all of that in the meantime. And so they shut it off the retail investors to say, hey, we need to ask for more money to be able to cover all these trades. I kind of have a thing that, because I I was here in, in 2017, And when Bitcoin was hitting $20,000, Coinbase is notorious. Every time there's a pretty good pump in the market, they shut down. Everybody says conspiracy. You know, a lot of people don't buy into the conspiracy and they just say that Coinbase is just unprepared for the amount of traffic. Um, But my theory is... Is that they are worried they won't be able to cover all of the transactions, all of the money that's going to be flowing into Bitcoin when Bitcoin hits that new all-time high of maybe 100000 maybe even $200,000. They're panicking. Therefore, they're going direct listing to raise the funds.
0: What do you think of that theory? I'm going to push back on you on that. I know I've covered Coinbase for years and I understand why the customers are outraged. Every time things get hot, they melt down. You can't trade. People are legitimately pissed off. However, are they doing it on purpose? No. You know why? Because it makes your customers hate them and it you know create, gives rise to accusations like you made. Um, it's just not in their interest to. I think the boring explanation is the better one. Basically, when there's a surge in trading, they have to add a ton of server capacity. The one way they could avoid that is keep lots more servers online all the time for those spikes they're just too cheap to do that and so they're basically saying okay we will screw our customers here and there let them have a bad experience because it's not worth it paying all this money to keep our servers online um, as for the parallel with Robinhood, that's interesting i mean you know what if there's a big you know exodus are they going to be able to pay everyone out I think they're in a better financial position than Robinhood. Robinhood's losing money. They're really, you know, kind of run by the seat of their pants. And what happened when they, you know, sort of shut down the trading of GameStop and things like that was the, you know, DTC clearinghouse was like, "Hey Robinhood, margin call, show you can cover, you know, for all of these trades out there." That's why they slowed things down. I think Coinbase has got enough of a Bitcoin hoard itself and they just have enough money that they're not in the same vulnerable position. However, their tech stack like Robinhood is susceptible to outages, which is going to you know, piss off small investors and ultimately hurt them. But as I said, it's, it's rough out there being a small investor. That's what happens to you when you're small.
1: You said that they're cheap and they just don't buy the server capacity to handle with the surges that you see when there's a uptick in the market, you know, $40,000 $50,000 Bitcoin or whatever we're going to see in the future. Hopefully we see something like that in the future. Then can you please do me a favor since you've been covering Coinbase all these years? Why is their customer service so crap? <laughs> Again, are they uh, just cheap?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is just a Silicon Valley playbook. It's not just them. I mean, it's all about avoiding, you know, costs. It's about scaling and automation. They just, Robinhood and Coinbase, I'm actually working on a story about this. Why is your customer service so bad? It's because in Silicon Valley, you make a choice. It's like, let's ha- have the chatbots handle it. This all looks expensive. Let's not do it. And telling each other, oh, no, you can do it by like going to our app, finding an answer. And I think over time, they're going to have to get with the program and add more live customer service agents. Um, but in the meantime, time when Silicon Valley companies have their foot on the gas in growth spurts like trying to go towards becoming public. They cut corners and they cut corners enormously on customer service because it's expensive, because you have to pay someone to sit in a chair and answer your phone call and you have to pay them a salary and maybe some benefits. And, you know, why not just not do that and put in a chat bot and say it's all fine, even if it's not? So, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people are rightfully frustrated with Coinbase, but they're not the only one that does this. Just any Silicon Valley company growing quickly does the same playbook.
1: Going back to their direct listing for one moment and one thing I couldn't find anywhere in any of the readings I've ever done in the past couple of weeks talking about Coinbase is how much stocks they own. I mean, they're doing a direct listing. They're not di- diluting the, their shares. So therefore, if they want to raise more money, put more money into their coffers to, to you know build up whatever they want to build up and create more products, they're going to have to dump some of their holdings. How much stock do they hold? Where Who's holding that stock? Is it Coinbase? Is it Brian? How, do, how, how, do, how is that going to work?
0: Uh, I don't have it at the tip of my fingers. I should, but you know, it's it's a fair amount of stock. And how direct listings work are if you're a company that's doing pretty well, you've got all these employees who are eager to cash out. They want a public market to sell their shares on. You know, especially you're eight or nine years old like Coinbase is. So what you can do, rather than IPO, which means paying Wall Street a bunch of money, just float it directly. Let people sell what they want. That lets your employees unload their stuff. Lets your executives do the same. Um, strangely, the SEC just changed rule. Until this year, you could not raise new capital with a direct listing. Now you can. Interestingly, Coinbase chose not to, which is a good thing in that they're for them because they're not diluting anymore. It also shows how confident they are and how much money they have. They're sitting on a lot of cash their uh, first quarter. I bet they're going to kill it given the recent bull run. But in terms of, yeah, who's going to make money? Well, You know, Brian Armstrong, Fred Ersson, the two co-founders, Andreessen Horowitz, you know, their chief of product, their head lawyer, they've all been paid, you know, part of the reason they Coinbase recruit these people is like, here, have like a million shares. And now they're going to go sell them and get really, really rich. You know, their lawyer uh, or their board member, Katie Hahn, she's going to make like $200 million. So, you know, all these people wow. are going to get fantastically rich. Um, and then you look at, yeah, like Mark Andreessen as an individual, again, you know, back, first backer of Facebook and his firm, they're holding like millions of shares. They're going to get absurdly rich. They're going to make billions off this. But I mean, that's just how it goes. That's the startup game. Everyone, you know, starts with a startup with a dream of getting to this point, but most of them fail in the first year, a bunch more, you know, fail harder later. And there's just a handful that kind of crosses golden finish line. So I'm, I'm not, you know, happy or sad for them. I'm just saying that's how it is.
1: This is going to be an episode I hope people look back to because I'm going to ask this question and you might be quoted in 10 years. Where do you see Coinbase in 10 years?
0: Uh, It's theirs to lose. And that's a good question because if you get these answers wrong, the quote's going to be pulled up and be put in the face (laughs) for years. But uh, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll take the bait. I'll answer it. I think Coinbase is in a position to basically become the first major crypto bank in the Western world. Um, it's theirs to lose i mean there's competitors they have to you know figure out like you know their leadership structure you know if they make mistakes they make unforced errors as they have in the past you know they've got you know sort of erratic management style they could blow it but right now who else is going to do it you know i think coinbase is going to keep you know taking more and more of the incoming newbies of crypto they're going to partner with banks they're going to acquire any potential competitor and they're going to be freaking giant um so you know i mean you know i'll throw it back to you or to your listeners who do you think is going to Lodge Coinbase. If not them, then who? You know, right now they've got the field almost themselves. You know, Kraken's good for a certain type of customer. Gemini's tried, they never got traction. Binance is out there, but like if you know the Binance steps foot in North America, if their CEO comes here, there's a good chance they'll be arrested by the SEC. So I just don't <laughs> see a real competitor for Coinbase right now. It's not saying I'm rooting for them or not, but that's just reality. They've built a kind of competitive moat and it's theirs to lose. Love it.
1: Jeff Roberts, executive editor of Decrypt and author of King of Crypto. Thank you very much for coming on the show.
0: That was a ton of fun. Thanks, Matthew. And another
1: news. PayPal has been killing it, recording huge growth and good profits in 2020 and expected to do the same in Q1 of 2021. CEO Dan Schulman said he's not chilling, though he's gonna keep pushing forward and he's gonna lay down the infrastructure for the financial future. In an exclusive interview with Descript, Shulman explained how PayPal is racing to adopt the next era of financial technology, including by launching a business unit dedicated to cryptocurrency. The thing is, he's upset that the fees and rates for processing transactions are so high, even though that everything is digital. And that's for affluent customers. If you're poor, you're even gonna pay more. Well, he sees this as an opportunity, an opportunity to cut costs and make a more efficient, financial system or infrastructure and by making this cryptocurrency business unit it looks like he's using crypto and blockchain as his framework this weekend i'll be releasing an exclusive decrypt interview with dan Schulman, the ceo of paypal don't miss it keep an eye out for it ripple ceo brad garlinghouse has provided two key arguments for the sec to dismiss its complaint against his company the first one transactions in XRP, XRP market, and Ripple's business do not exhibit any of the traditional characteristics of an investment contract. He also noted that in 2015, and again in 2020, the Department of Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, found XRP to be a virtual currency. This required Ripple to implement AML laws that are not generally applicable to security transactions. And the second one, Is that the CEO, Brad Garlinghouse, has been charged with violating security laws because according to the SEC, he sold his own XRP in order to aid and embed Ripple's XRP sales. Ripple's counsel is arguing that Garlinghouse was just simply doing his job. Is this going to be enough for the SEC to dismiss their lawsuit? We'll have to wait and see. So the title of this next segment, the action and the art, the art we're talking about is a Banksy piece entitled Morons. And it ridicules art collectors for purchasing expensive piece of art, which, morons, is actually an expensive piece of art, which has an estimated value of around $100,000. Before, it was burned. Yes, a Banksy original was burned. And it was destroyed in Brooklyn, New York, and it was live-streamed to a global audience. Prior to its destruction... The work was authenticated by pest control, a body Banksy set up himself to verify his art. Well, the point of doing this this was to burn the original and to put this art on an NFT and turn it into an NFT. So now that this art, this work called Morons, is now in NFT form on the blockchain. The main intention here is to be the first ever event where a physical piece is turned into a digital piece. I can see this going for a hell of a lot more than $100,000 but the title and the action <laughs> might be a one in the same. Why would you do this? I have no clue. It kinda hurts, but it's damn interesting. And finally, continuing to speak about NFT's Kings of Leon, the Tennessee rock band known for such hits as Sex on Fire and You Somebody are releasing their new album in NFT form. The album's called When You See For Yourself and it's the band's eighth studio album and their first leap into the world of the web 3.0. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Aaron and I'll be back tomorrow with a long-form podcast, listener questions, and a great interview about regulations. So I'll see you tomorrow. And until then, happy hodling.